Welcome to the October 2023 edition of Agribusiness News, brought to you by the Farm Advisory Service. Agribusiness News helps you to scan your horizon, prepare for industry changes, and keeps you abreast of the latest research and policy updates. Along with our regular monthly updates on policy briefs, arable, beef, sheep, and milk, in this edition, we're also bringing you two sector overviews on dairy costs and science-based targets helping to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We'll also be bringing you news on feed costs and the importance of cash flow. Hello, my name is Christine Beaton and I'm the editor of this month's edition. First up, we have this month's news. While Margaret Thatcher famously said in 1980, this lady's not for turning, fast forward to 2023 and political U-turns seem to be the order of the day. It could be argued that with the current UK government pushing back the ban on the sale of petrol and diesel cars from 2030 to 2035 and the ban on gas boilers from 2025 also to 2035, it paved the way for subsequent U-turns on commissioning new oil fields, starting with the new Rosebank field 80 miles north of Shetland. From an economic liberalisation standpoint, the U-turns are being justified on the basis of creating new jobs in a currently flagging oil industry and reducing pressure on families struggling with high energy costs. From a more cynical point of view, with car manufacturers still faced with the requirement that 80% of all new car sales must be electric by 2030, is the UK political focus more on next year's elections rather than on pledges made during COP26 to meet net zero targets by 2050? Following the announcement that the rate of inflation had fallen to 6.7% in August, the Bank of England's decision to keep the base rate at 5.25 was welcome news for farming businesses. However, with crop and milk prices having dropped sharply since last year, bank balances are still under pressure across the industry as we head into winter. While tight supplies in the beef sector are bolstering prices both in the prime and store markets, the continued fall in suckler cow numbers remains a concern for the industry. Compared to the same period last year, the number of calves registered in the first half of 2023 fell to 1.53 million, a fall of 2.1%. Analysis of the registrations showed a rising number of calves from native breeds at the expense of continental breeds, a trend to watch for at the bull sales next spring. In the face of a new Aussie branding and a new global marketing campaign by Meat and Livestock Australia, this month's sheep article highlights that we need to shout more about our high welfare, fully traceable, and biodiversity boosting scotch, beef and lamb. Moving on to this month's policy briefs. The Scottish Government have announced that the Cost of Living Tenant Protection Act introduced in October 2022 to protect tenants against the impacts of rising costs will remain in place until March 2024. This will mean that in-tenancy private rent increases will continue to be capped at 3%. However, private landlords can apply for increases of up to 6% to help cover certain increases in costs in a specified time period where these costs can be evidenced. Enforced evictions will continue to be paused for six months, except in a number of specified circumstances. Increased damages for unlawful evictions of up to 36 months worth of rent will continue to apply. Going forward, there are plans to introduce a new housing bill to deliver a new deal for tenants, including the introduction of long-term rent controls for the private rented sector, minimum housing standards, and allowing tenants greater flexibility to personalise their homes and keep pets. 
The short-term lets licensing scheme was introduced by the Scottish Government to ensure short-term lets in Scotland are safe and meet consistent quality standards, including having gas certificates and suitable electrical equipment. From the 1st of October 2023, all existing short-term let accommodation must have applied for a licence. New hosts need to apply for a short-term let licence from their local council before they can accept bookings. There are four types of licence. 1. Home sharing means you can rent out all or part of your home while you're living there. 2. Home letting means letting all or part of your own home while you're not there, for example, while you're on holiday. 3. Secondary letting means letting a property where you do not normally live, for example, holiday lets. 4. Home letting and home sharing means you let out all or part of your own home both while you're living there and also at times while you're not there. Short-term let licences last for three years. In addition to a licence, operators will need to have all the requisite safety certifications, gas, electricity and water safety, plus an EPC certificate. Some properties may also require a building warrant and subject to location, some may require planning permission. You do not need a licence if you rent out part of your house under a rent-a-room scheme. The next round of the Agro-Environment Climate Scheme, EECS, will open for applications in January 2024 with a targeted support focusing on the agro-environment, slurry and digestate storage and seeking to double the amount of land under organic management. For the 2024 round, funding for heather cutting, chemical and mechanical treatment of bracken, the storing of dry stone or flagstone dikes and pond creation and restoration for wildlife, limited to 2,000 metres squared per application, will be reintroduced. In addition to which, the option for creation of hedgerows will be increased from 500 metres to 1,000 metres per application. The application windows for respective funding sectors are slurry storage, will open in early 2024, details will be announced. Organic conversion and maintenance, opens the 1st of February 2024 and closes 31st of July 2024. Agri-environment, opens the 1st of February 24 and closes the 10th of June 2024. If you are applying for organic conversion and maintenance as part of a single application, with Agri-Environment Management, it must be cons- submitted by the 10th of June deadline. For further details, see the link for the Agri-Environment Scheme in the show notes. While Brexit saw the loss of the Scottish seed potato export market with the EU, the Windsor Framework has paved the way for trading seed potatoes to resume from the 30th of September 2023. Pre-Brexit, Scotland sold an estimated 2,500 tonnes of seed potatoes into Northern Ireland. Unfortunately, this is a singular agreement, with the trading channels for seed potatoes to the rest of the EU remaining firmly blocked. Moving on to arable. With harvest all but concluded in Scotland, the early consensus is that wheat has had the better year of all the crops, and whilst a drift of 2022 harvest output, yields have been respectable to good, 
There are positive markers too against specific weights and hagbergs, but proteins have been reported as lower, although sufficient to satisfy the trade's lower-grade milling requirements. Winter barley has also achieved the standards required in what has been described as an average-to-good season. The spring barley yield average has declined as harvest progressed with notable regional differences on quality. Northern Scotland samples appear to have less high nitrogen issues compared to southern Scotland, although the reverse holds true for skinning levels. Oilseed rape yields have been reported as average at best and oil content is lower than last season. At UK level, wheat harvest production estimates currently lie in the region of 14 million tonnes, down 1.5 million tonnes on last year. Despite the rise in opening carryover stocks, the projected drop in production will lead to contracted domestic availability. While there may be a knock-on effect for import requirements for high-protein milling wheats, the demand from the livestock sector is likely to continue to be subdued throughout this year and into next. Pertinent to Scotland, the distilling sector requirement remains strong as increasing processing capacity continues to come online. Cereals Assurance Body Scottish Quality Crops is introducing a new rolling certification model effective from the 1st of October this year as part of an improved auditing process. The change, which moves to a product-specific certification, will provide rolling certification over 12 months and so allow grain passports to be issued to growers earlier in the year and well ahead of harvest. All growers will still be required to have an annual assessment which is carried out by Food Integrity Assurance on behalf of Scottish Quality Crops. UK feed wheat futures for November 23 closed at £192.75 per tonne. November 24 futures closing at £203 per tonne, as at the 27th of September 23. 12 months ago, November 23 futures stood at £287.35, a 33% decline in value over the year. Global markets are currently supported to an extent by concerns around wheat production out of Southern Hemisphere heavyweights, notably Australia and Argentina. Overriding this, however, is the continuing downward price pressure from competitive Black Sea supplies, although a weakening pound against the US dollar has recently softened falls here. Long term, both quantity and quality of global wheat supply will continue to be front and centre, and at times when global May supply looks to be increasing this year, that in itself is bringing a bearish sentiment to both UK wheat and barley values. On the 18th of September, the EU Commissioner alluded to regulatory changes with the planned introduction of third country certification and checks, due to start in January 2024. Notwithstanding his comment at the time that the UK is still the most important destination for our exports, this appears somewhat counterintuitive. Since the start of September, beef prices have strengthened after two months of tumbling trade. Warmer weather at the start of the month, back to school demand and a continuing tightening of supplies have led to processors increasing prices in order to secure cattle. 
Prices have been increasing steadily since the start of September, with finishers receiving an increase of approximately 20 to 30 pence per kilogram deadweight. Currently, prices are sitting around 493 pence per kilogram deadweight, with reports that certain processors are offering more in order to secure supply. Numbers are tight, so finishers who can supply the right numbers of cattle to the right spec are getting £5 per kilogram deadweight. Shortage of supplies continue to be a driver behind the finished beef price. As the Scottish beef herd is declining, so too are finished cattle supplies. The reduction in young cattle in England and Wales has continued strong demand for Scottish-born calves with stores sales strongly supported by English buyers, contracting cattle numbers available for slaughter in Scotland further. Reports suggest on the back of the falling beef price throughout the summer months, the finishers offload their September supplies early, further reducing availability. Going forward, it is highly likely that finished prices will continue to increase as processors compete in order to secure cattle with Christmas now on the horizon. With rising prime cattle prices, store cattle prices have also risen in recent weeks, with prices up around 45 pence per kilogram live weight from this time last year. Trade for store cattle has been strong, as finishers reinvest their returns in the store ring. Going forward, it is anticipated the store trade will continue trending upwards and it's already moving in the direction of the high levels witnessed in the spring. Markets have reported a buoyant trade for weed calves in recent weeks, with Aberdeen and Northern Marks Thainston reporting a sale average of £1,419.92, up £245.51 compared with 2022 for their first weaned calf sale. It is anticipated with the beef price rising and feed prices less this year that suckled calves will be in greater demand after depressed trade last year. Cull cow trade has also come back in recent weeks. Warmer weather at the start of the month and the Rugby World Cup have increased demand for barbecue meat after weakened demand throughout the summer. Prices may not improve further as numbers generally pick up this time of year ahead of housing and weaning. Those with cows to go would be advised to sell now and take advantage of the current price. Falling suckler cow numbers remains a concern for the industry. UK numbers falling an average of 1% each year. England has 750,000 cows and Scotland has 400,000 suckler cows a reduction of 2.5% since 2018. France now has more purebred Charolais cows than the total UK beef cow herd. Recent data released from BCMS shows that suckler-born registrations have fallen this year by 3.5%, highlighting the importance of beef from the dairy herd in beef production. With registration of Limousin Cross, Charolais Cross and Simmental Cross calves showing reductions of up to 7% in comparison to breeds such as Aberdeen Angus Cross, British Blue Cross who continue to grow in numbers. 
It will be interesting to see at the autumn bull sales if breed sale averages are less for the breeds with falling calf registration numbers. If you enjoy listening to Agribusiness News, why not try out one of the other Farm Advisory Service podcasts? So in October, it is Organics Month. So in Stock Talk, they speak to Hugh Grierson, who runs an organic farm and butchery business, selling directly to customers. In Cropcast, they speak to John Ski, an organic potato producer, and he also produces organic milling oats. So a great opportunity to hear more about organics. Moving on to sheep. Prime sheep sales are starting to pick up pace after a slow start, with lambs taking longer to finish this year. The price is currently above that of the previous two years for lambs, with it being forecast for the price to be sustained, given the shortage of well-fleshed lambs south of the border due to drought conditions in the summer. The price of our finished lamb is currently well ahead compared to the Australian and New Zealand lamb. With their lamb price being so low, their product is very attractive to importing countries such as China and the EU. A recent report from Meat and Livestock Australia forecast the Australian lamb to grow in value by 4.5% to the end of this year. This increase will still give the price advantage. As well as the price of the product, the geography of the product combined with supply and demand and global currency exchange dominate the trade for lamb, with the UK product being geographically closer to the EU makes the freight and logistics more attractive. For Australian and New Zealand lamb, they have targeted closer markets to home, for example, China and the Middle East. While the New Zealand flock has been decreasing in the last five years, with an estimated 200,000 hectares of sheep and beef farms being sold into forestry, their exports have not decreased as the domestic demand for sheep products have also declined. Between January and June this year, compared to last year, the import volume to EU from New Zealand have increased by 20%, while imports to the EU from the UK have increased by 19%. In contrast, imports to the EU from Australia have decreased by 33%. Interestingly, from a country undergoing flock expansion, it demonstrates how they are currently targeting developing markets closer to home. The Australian meat levies have rebranded their promotion from the True Aussie Beef and Lamb brand to the Aussie Beef, Lamb and Goat brand. The refreshed brand seeks to focus on key attributes to a global customer with the following words featuring heavily in their marketing. Genuine, trustworthy, safe, nutritious and tasty. The graphics have been updated to highlight green pasture, clean water, sunshine and fresh air. This new branding will be targeted globally and with the trade agreement now in full force we will see it here in the UK with an ultimate goal of increased orders driven through our retailers and food service industry. This demonstrates how we need to shout more on our fully traceable, high welfare, biodiversity boosting British product. Now let's move on to a sector focus on greenhouse gases and science-based targets linked to farming activities. 
the number of companies committed to reducing greenhouse gas emissions by adhering to the Science-Based Targets Initiative has increased by 87%, with over 410 companies with land-intensive operations setting emissions reduction targets. Almost half of these companies are now publicly reporting the greenhouse gas emissions. Both large and small corporations are taking steps towards reducing their carbon footprint by committing to reduce both direct, scope 1, and indirect, scope 2 and scope 3, greenhouse gas emissions, aligned with 1.5 degrees Celsius for scopes 1 and 2, and well below 2 degrees or 1.5 degrees Celsius for scope 3, engaging with their suppliers to establish a baseline and working with them to identify changes that can be made to reduce emissions from the indirect value chain. Greenhouse gas emissions from crop products on specific pathways such as wheat include carbon emissions from land use change, from drained peat soils, carbon nitrous oxide emissions due to fertiliser production, direct and indirect nitrous oxide emissions from soil due to fertiliser application, nitrous oxide emissions from crop residue, and methane and nitrous oxide emissions from agricultural waste burning and carbon emissions from machinery on farms. There are specific standards in place that outline a protocol for agriculture, forest and land use, or Forest, Land and Agriculture, also known as FLAG, and specific flag sector pathways for 10 agricultural commodities such as beef, maize, rice and others for companies that have diversified flag emissions. Flag science-based targets have great potential as they could implement both emissions reductions and removals. Flag emissions include carbon emissions associated with land use change, land management and carbon removal and storage. Land use change includes deforestation, forest degradation, conversion of coastal wetlands and peatland burning. Emissions from land management practices include those such as biomass burning, soil management and tillage, agricultural waste burning, fertiliser use, nutrient and manure management, crop residues, machinery use and transport of biomass. Carbon removals and storage include activities like forest restoration, silvopasture, agroforestry and enhancing soil organic carbon. Food and drink companies that engage in agricultural activities on their supply chain are collaborating with farms to promote the adoption of regenerative practices, ensure healthy soils, reduce emissions at the farm level and encourage the adoption of practices that promote sustainability. To meet their sustainability goals, multiple companies have launched diverse initiatives to get farmers involved in the efforts to reduce their environmental impact. These initiatives include carrying out annual soil health valuations to monitor land quality, identifying alternative feed proteins for livestock, tackling enteric emissions and reducing methane emissions from manure, offering incentives to encourage farmers to reduce their carbon emissions, pinpointing significant sources of greenhouse gas emissions and better implementing water management strategies. 
and implementing environmental sustainability practices to ensure long-term sustainability. Sustainability is a key concern for agri-food businesses, with consumers becoming more aware of environmental impacts. Science-based targets increase stakeholder engagement and resilience against regulations. Companies adopting science-based targets embrace innovation in agricultural practices and on-farm technology, potentially leading to bottom-line savings. Although the impact on agriculture is not direct, it is playing a significant role and it will become increasingly important as more manufacturers and retailers adopt and promote smart and sustainable agricultural practices to improve on-farm environmental performance. Positivity in dairy markets, but will milk prices respond? Milk volumes are now past the trough and will continue to rise until the flush. Dairy commodities are showing positive movements in price, both domestically and in the GDT auction. The latest milk production data from AHDB shows that Great British milk output for August 2023 was 997 million litres, 2.2% less than the previous month and 0.8% more than August 2022 volume. Daily deliveries in August were 32.2 million litres as of the week ending the 9th of September, 0.1% above the previous week and 0.8% or 0.27 million litres a day more than the same week in 2022. UK production for August was 1,193 million litres, down 4.2% on July 23 but 1% higher than August 2022. The DEFRA average UK milk price for July 2023 was 36.11 pence per litre, down 0.37 pence per litre from June, and 23% lower than July 2022. Milk prices for August were not available at the time of writing. While the main Scottish milk buyers have all held their milk price for October, there have been further cuts by processors south of the border. Please note that the following prices are all in pence per litre. First milk manufacturing, 36.85. Muller, Muller Direct Scotland, 36.75. Graham's, 36.0. Arla Farmers Manufacturing, 35.21. Lactalis, Fresh Milk Company, 35.5. Utree Dairy, 36.0. Grass growth rates are still above the four-year average at 58.4 kilograms dry matter per hectare as of the week commencing the 18th of September. Average grass crude protein content across dairy, beef and sheep farms is still very good at 20.3% with an ME of 10.8 megajoules per kilogram of dry matter. A 650 kilogram spring calving dairy cow is predicted to eat 10.5 kilograms of dry matter of grass in October and at 10.8 ME this will support just M plus 7.2 litres of milk from grass alone. On a wet day 
it is likely the grass is supporting little more than maintenance, so make sure you are taking into account weather conditions and the dry matter content of the grass if cows are still outside grazing. There was little movement in the average price of dairy commodity products traded between the 28th of August and 22nd of September. However, price movements for butter, cream and skim milk powder were slightly positive, up 2%, 1% and 1% respectively, compared to the previous month. Increased export demand for butter due to lower EU stocks helped bolster the butter price. Only mild cheddar fell by 2%, impacting the market indicator MCVE, which dropped 0.75 pence per litre from August. While the positive price movements in butter and skim milk powder results in AMPE increasing by 0.21 pence per litre. The latest GDT auction, 19th of September, rose by 4.6% from the previous event to an average of $2,957 per tonne. This is the second rise this month, ending a spell of negative price movement since mid-May adding some much-needed positive sentiment to the markets. Skim milk powder was up 5.4% to $2,400 per tonne and butter increased by 3.8% to $4,723 per tonne. According to Rabobank, bankers and dairy analysts, global milk supply and demand remains in balance with slowing global output and lukewarm demand growth in most of the main milk-producing regions. Supplies have been reducing in most regions, including the US, EU and New Zealand, on the back of lower milk prices, and Rabobank have reduced their milk production growth forecast for 2023 from 0.5% to 0.3% compared to 2022 volumes. Looking forward into next year, global growth is predicted at just 0.4%, well below the yearly average increase of 1.6% seen from 2010 to 2020. Now let's move on to the sector focus on dairy. While the milk price and many input costs are out of our hands, there are still opportunities to reduce costs in areas we can control. As cows transition to being housed, it is a good time to review herd nutrition, as feed accounts for up to 30% of total production costs. However, be cautious about cutting costs just to save money. Think how it will impact milk output, cow health and fertility. There may be more scope to make savings in young stock, so consider all opportunities. Review all rations with recent forage analysis to see if purchase feeds can be reduced. Are there areas where you can utilise more forage? This might be more applicable in a lower yielding group or with in-calf heifers. For example, there is less need for quality bypass protein in young stock diets and so rapeseed meal could be more cost effective compared to soya to make up any protein shortfall in forage. Currently, rapeseed meal is the most cost-effective protein source per percentage protein, 
However, this does not consider protein quality. The level of bypass rumen degradable protein, which is of increasing importance to higher yielding cows. Changes to feeding management could help improve forage intakes to drive more output. For example, more regular push-ups or better management of feed refusals. Aim for 3-5% in the milking herd. Alternatively, can concentrate levels be reduced slightly? It is important to consider how a reduction in concentrate costs could affect milk output and overall income. For example, one kilogram of dairy cake on an energy basis is equivalent to two litres of milk. If cake costs £340 per tonne, that's 34 pence per kilogram or 72 pence worth of milk at 36 pence per litre. Replacing one kilogram of cake with the same dry matter from silage, three kilograms of silage at 30% dry matter and 40 pounds per tonne or four pence per kilogram, saves 34 pence on cake and costs 12 pence on silage, a total saving of 22 pence. If cake is 13 ME and silage 11.5 ME, the reduction in energy intake is only 1 megajoule, equivalent to 0.2 litres or 7.2 pence worth of milk. The response in yield will depend on the quality of the silage and whether the protein content of the ration is impacted significantly. It is best to seek nutritional advice on concentrated feeding rates and where opportunities lie for savings. Cutting concentrates too much has risks for body condition and fertility in early lactation and this strategy would be better suited to mid to late lactation cows that are confirmed in calf. This can reduce the risk of overfeeding concentrates and some feed additives to lower yielders that could produce more milk from forage. Alternatively, saving could be made by reformulating rations with a slightly lower protein content rather than reducing concentrate levels. Think about how the Bank of England base rate increases over the last few months, held at 5.25% as of the 21st of September. Will affect debt payments and cash flow if your interest rate on repayment is not fixed or is coming up for renewal. The amount of debt the business has and the term of the debt will affect how much payments will increase and the longer the amortisation period, the greater the impact. Speak to those you owe money to. If creditors are aware of your financial situation, they may be able to offer a solution by spreading the cost of payments, restructuring debt or a temporary postponement of loan payments. It is best to have these conversations earlier rather than later to see whether there are opportunities to alter current payment schedules which will also help reduce stress levels. Monitoring your cash flow regularly will help to have a better understanding of where the peaks and troughs in income and expenditure are. Milk income will vary with the carving pattern and future monthly milk output can be forecast with AHDB Milk Forecasting Calculator. You can find a link to this in the show notes. Milk price isn't everything though. 
When looking at economic performance, previous work by AHDB has shown that the top 25% of all year-round calving herds make 12 pence per litre more margin compared to the bottom 25% and their costs were 10.5 pence per litre less. The more profitable herds had lower replacement costs and spent less on feed and forage, power and machinery and unpaid labour. You can benchmark your costs against other similar herds using the FAS benchmark tool. Link in the show notes. Or do a simple gross margin output analysis to help identify where costs are higher than the target. Now let's move on to feed market update. Monitoring the feed market and buying at the optimum time is vital to managing variable costs in any successful livestock production system. The feed market has been volatile for the last couple of years with prices consistently fluctuating towards record highs. However, this summer we have witnessed a downward trend as the markets begin recovering from earlier turbulence. After a challenging harvest due to changeable weather, the cereal harvest is nearing completion, with predominantly spring barley remaining in Scotland at the time of writing in late September. The following prices give an indication of current delivered feed costs. Grass silage, £40 per tonne. Wheat, £210 per tonne. Maize, £242 per tonne. Soybean meal, £460 per tonne. Wheat distillers dark grains, £310 per tonne. Maize distillers dark grains, £297 per tonne. Sugar beet pulp, £270 per tonne. Soya hills, £230 per tonne. Malting quality has reportedly been variable, with many Scottish maltsters having to raise rejection cutoffs to fulfil contracts. The main reason for this has been due to high levels of skinning and small grains from secondary growth. This has increased the availability of feed barley for livestock. However, the quality of the feed barley must be considered particularly if it has been retained from malting stock due to lower protein requirements for malting. With the availability of both wheat and barley plentiful, worldwide prices are significantly back from this time last year, with wheat currently sitting around £210 per tonne from £260 per tonne, and barley around £170 per tonne from £262 per tonne delivered. At the time of writing, the market remains bearish, but prices are starting to see a slight rise as feed demand increases as we approach housing. Worldwide availability has also increased as the first boats have been loaded from Ukraine following the opening of the Black Sea Corridor. The protein market is currently also back from this time last year, with soya bean meal currently around £440 per tonne ex-store. This is largely due to the US crop of soybeans being better than initially anticipated. However, there is some uncertainty due to a spell of high heat in the US that may affect the projected supply, turning the focus onto the Brazilian crop. Brazil's exports have increased over the year following a record crop last harvest. 
and has also been helped by strong demand from China for Brazilian soybean meal. Raveseed is very likely to follow the soybean market in the short term and is currently sitting at around £310 per tonne delivered. Long-term supplies look to be healthy, despite a reduction in yield from both the EU and Canada leaving the market bearish for now. Other protein sources, such as distillers' grains, have also followed a similar trend and are back on this time last year, currently sitting at £297 per tonne for maize distillers and £310 per tonne for wheat distillers delivered. Although it is worth speaking to suppliers, as some good deals are to be had when supply is plentiful, the relative feed values of distillers are currently sitting close to cost, making them a good buy currently. Initial samples going through the labs are showing on average that silage quality is good. However, We are early in the season for analysis and averages are likely to change as more samples come through the lab. Dry matter, energy and protein continue to be variable with a wide range and this should be considered when making decisions on winter rations depending on the class of stock and on-farm performance goals. Finally, we will move on to the importance of cash flow. Cash is king. Bank balances are under pressure across the industry. Crop and milk prices have dropped sharply since last year, while input costs for all producers have not returned to levels enjoyed at pre-COVID. As for farmers carrying sizeable debt on overdraft or unfixed loans, the ratcheting up of the Bank of England base rate is hurting. The levers available to manipulate cash flow depend on the size of the problem. At the easy end of the scale, simply retiming a purchase or sale can plug the deficit. But if there is a big hole in the cash flow, structural changes to the business may be needed. The trick, of course, is knowing what cash is coming. Anyway, broadly, your levers are Introduce savings If you have cash in a savings account paying very little interest, add them in. Shop around. Get quotes for medicines, fuel, fertiliser and concentrates before buying. Pay just in time. Quite a few farmers pay bills early. If you do, simply defer payment to when due. But don't exceed credit terms as supplier interest charges will normally be higher. Sell output sooner. Crop farmers that store crop have the option to sell a tonnage earlier if it is uncommitted. Livestock farmers can cash in young stock and culls earlier, saving the cost of feed foregone by those animals too. Though selling young stock earlier obviously reduces income later. Defer non-essential input spending. Farmers that use the good years to top up soil reserves, sort the farm road or replace a dodgy bit of marsh fence can cut spending in tough years. Bid less. Finishers with a tight bank situation should reassess what they can offer. Clearly, not good news for farmers selling crops and stock, but charity starts at home. Spring grazing, 
and longer-term rental and contract farming agreements also warrant prudent budgeting. Reassess CapEx Monthly payments to finance machinery, including farm vehicles, are a dead weight in many farm cash flows. There are often better ways to save tax. Asset sales If sale of surplus assets doesn't undermine farm productivity, this option can slash the financing of hardcore debt. But consult your accountant to avoid a surprise from the taxman. Traps to avoid Chasing production If your marginal litres of milk are returning less than their marginal cost, trimming production is the smarter move. Slashing use of key inputs Cutting inputs that cause a disproportionate drop in yield, growth rates or quality generally outweighs any short-term cash flow benefits. Rescheduling debt Can be part of the solution but it is often not the panacea as moving debt from an overdraft to a loan typically commits you to regular repayment of capital. A cash flow budget just deals with estimating what cash is coming into and out of the bank in the coming months. No need for valuations, splitting capital from trading items, listing debtors, creditors, etc. Recent bank statements provide a starting point. Making tax digital means many farmers now have a lot of income and expenditure detail thanks to using software like Xero. Bespoke budgeting tools like Figured can be bolted on to such packages. A cheaper option is to download the free cash flow budgeting tool from the SRDP website. It includes a helpful example. By putting your numbers into the computer, you can think through and test the impacts of using the levers listed above before acting. If you think that current cash flow difficulties require a deeper look at your finances, specialist grant funding is available to explore the options. Application details are on the FAS website with link in the show notes. Finally, don't go into your shell. Avoiding your bank manager and suppliers solves nothing. Keep communicating with business partners, family and friends. RSABI are also there to help. Thanks very much for listening to this audio edition of the October 2023 Agribusiness News. Remember to like Agribusiness News to get notified of future episodes of this monthly podcast. This edition was edited by Christine Beaton and included articles written by Christine Beaton, Mark Bauscher-Gibbs, Sarah Balfour, Kirsten Williams, Louisa Riasco, Lorna McPherson, Lorna Shaw and Kev Bevan. Presented by myself, Tiffany Stevenson and produced by Alistair Trail.